welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Welcome back. This week's episode features Robin Watkins. She's the founder and chief product developer of Holistic Beauty Group. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Sarah Willersdorf. She's a managing director and partner at Boston Consulting Group. Thanks for listening. Carrie, I'm so excited to be here with you again. Me too. We have to introduce this episode with Robin Watkins. You know what's cool about this? You're not going to believe it, but guess where I met Robin? LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. <laughs> so I have a question. I need I need to know like the second phase of these relationships. So you mentioned on last week's episode with Sarah Willersdorf that you also met her on LinkedIn. What about Robin? Have you met her in person or was this interview the first time like speaking face to face? Um, I connect with Robin on LinkedIn because that's just what I do, right? This is where my people are. So I'm like very social on LinkedIn and just, you know, want to meet as many people as possible in our business. And um, Robin and I just made time to talk, which is something else I do on LinkedIn. And I know it sounds really random, but like people are willing to like just make an appointment. I mean, a, you know, schedule time to chat. Um, like I don't have any ulterior motive. I'm not looking to sell them anything. Just want to get to know people. So Robin's one of those people, and we had such a nice chat, and I asked her if she would be on the show because I just adored her, um, and she said, sure. So, um, you know, LinkedIn is kind of like the surrogate now for being at events and traveling, right? I don't get to do that, um, but I usually meet all these fascinating people when I'd be traveling and going to events. So I use LinkedIn um, in that way right now. I'm happy you're sharing that because... Um, LinkedIn is one of those things that I'm sure people poo-poo about or like, oh, I don't necessarily need that. And it's almost like when your mom tells you to do something, you don't want to hear it. But then if you're like your best friend says it, you're like, okay, fine. So for all those listeners that just don't think that it could be a useful tool, Jody is the LinkedIn queen now and has built so many relationships and all it takes is that reach out. So Write that down in uh, your notebook. <laughs> yeah, I meet so many interesting people. And, you know, I think I'm a pretty generous networker. So, you know, I'm always, um, when I like someone, offer to connect them with anyone that's, um, you know, important or viable for them. Um, and I want to see the people that I like succeed as well. So it's a really, it's a great place for me. I'm, You know, it's interesting because I'm not, I don't have like a personal Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Pinterest or anything, you know, which is kind of funny because I'm in this, this business. But, um, you know, I have, I have the agency accounts and, of course, my team's super active and well-informed, but I personally am not. So this is really the only personal social media that I have. And also, I've known you long enough to know that uh, you've not always been a fan of quote unquote networking at events. And it really can be so overwhelming and you just kind of have to be the loudest voice or the most outgoing person to um, thrive in those situations. So LinkedIn is is much more uh, obtainable for those who um, feel really overwhelmed by the networking that happens at live events. Thank you for reminding me of the progress I've made, Carrie, because <laughs> I kind of forgot that like I really used to hate networking. I didn't even understand it. But now I, I just view it as like a way to meet people that I like and a way to help um, them advance their goals. So um, I have a, a new definition of it and a new outlook on it. And, you know, that's how I got to meet Robin. I love that. So quickly on Robin, I don't want to give everything away about the episode because 
you're about to hear it. Um, but what I think is adorable, and I have a picture in my head, is she always wanted to be a makeup artist as a kid. You ask her that question right off the bat. And her mother sold Avon, and I just have this picture in my head of her watching her mother be uh, an entrepreneur within the beauty industry and then subconsciously digesting that. And then however many years later, that's exactly what Robin's doing. It's so cool. I love these stories. So this episode is for anyone who is interested in the career journey of going from the corporate life and then wanting more freedom and having a different lifestyle and branching out on your own. So tune in. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Let's roll episode 191. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with Robin Watkins. She is the founder of Holistic Beauty Group. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hello, everyone. Robin, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I'm so excited to do this podcast recording. Um, Before we get into like the deep dive into your career journey, um, I have one question for you that's about our industry and one question for you about that's about you. So when it comes to the industry and you've been in this business for a long time, um, what events or um, things are you reading that are super important for you in your career right now? Mm. You know, I'm reading, I'm really loving what I'm reading at Beauty Matter. Uh, I think, you know, the articles that they release are very relevant from an events perspective. Obviously, that's been, you know, kind of not happening in the last year. But I really look forward to Makeup in LA when that does come back. Okay, that's good to know, because I think a lot of people who are listening are like, oh, I want to be Robin someday. So I want to give them, you know, some of the tools in your toolbox. Um, So everyone, you know, subscribe to Beauty Matter, learn what's happening. Kelly's very talented over there. Um, Okay, so Robin, about you. This is my favorite question of all time. When you're a kid and you're, let's be transported to the 12-year-old version of yourself. Someone asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What's your response? Yeah, back then I was, I wanted to be a makeup artist. I wanted to be a makeup artist. I was doing makeovers on all my friends, you know, growing up, my mother sold Avon. So I had all the makeup, I had all the products and people would be lined up in my bathroom to get their makeup done, their hair done, a bubble bath, you know, whatever. I was just doing all the beauty stuff. So that's where I was at 12 years old. Yes. And um, was your mom successful at Avon? Like, was it a passion for her? It was a side hustle for her. So, you know, I'm the youngest out of five. You know, my mom took the train every day to commute to work an hour both ways. And she sold Avon on the side just as a side hustle to make more money and was good at it, you know, and had a lot of customers. And my first job was actually, you know, putting together her orders and she paid me in product. So that's how I was introduced to product. (laughs) Oh my God, the whole cycle of getting paid in product that started in your house, right? That's so awesome. That's so sweet. So um, what a great exposure to the beauty industry by watching your mom be, you know, you're basically an entrepreneur, right? When you're doing that type of work. So what a, what a cool vantage point. Yeah. I mean, I got to really see, you know, products coming in, you know, and as I would bag those orders, I would you know, look at the packaging. I would read, you know, the ingredient listing. I would smell the bubble bath. I could tell when they changed, you know, a shade on a product. And, you know, I was just really, you know, into the behind the scenes, not really understanding what product development was back then, but I just knew I had a knack for it and I just wanted to be a part of it in in some capacity. Do you recall what your favorite products were back then? 
Mm-hmm. There was a lipstick um, that Avon, it was a particular shade called Burgundy Brew <laughs> that, you know, this kind of this the deep burgundy lipstick is kind of in vogue again. But, you know, me and my friends, we would fight over this lipstick. It was that and definitely uh, the Skin So Soft, like, bath oil. (laughs) We used to love that product. And I think when it comes to hair products, you know, it was just African pride everything. And so that was, you know, that was, those were some of my staples back then. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, um, you know, fast forward and you've been a product developer for many years, um, I, I think that if I look at your LinkedIn, it's 18 years of product development. Am I right? Yeah, close to, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting close to 20, almost 20 in the game. So it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a, a nice ride for me, for sure. Okay, so what, what does it mean to be a classically trained product developer? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, so the way that we develop products today is very fast, very fast paced. We are collaborating with a lot of different labs that really bring us and showcase a lot of technologies and a lot of formulas that are already kind of put together. And what I've seen is that today, probably in the last maybe six, seven years, uh, a lot of brands, you know, sometimes we kind of pick up formulas. We see a formula that we like. We're like, yeah, we like that. We're going to tweak that innovation. We're going to go to market quickly. When I talk about classic product development, I mean from the ground up. So customizing formulas based on your consumer, doing your consumer research, figuring out your, you know, benefit territories Um, from there, putting together key ingredient platforms and, you know, an ingredient technology to really help support those benefits. Right. And then from there, really like ideating on new textures and creating new textures and figuring out the delivery system of that product. Is it going to be in a click pin? Is it going to be in a roller ball? Is it going to be in a mist or, you know, an oil form? And really it's about blue sky kind of style of development. That's kind of, you know, not happening as much anymore. And so I really feel blessed to have been kind of that, in between generation where I was really trained by, you know, the boomers out there, right. That were kind of like starting to retire, uh, really showing me how to put together a product from scratch and what that really looks like and all the steps that need to be taken to get there. Um, you know, early in my career, I was really exposed to a lot of innovation. So I worked on, for example, gel nail polish, right? So what would the world be like without gel nail polish? But it took a lot of iterations and a lot of work, right? A lot of fighting for, no, this is going to be the new way. People are really going to walk away from nail polish because this is more convenient. And a lot of that type of stuff I did earlier in my career, and I think it really helped to inform the type of product developer I am today, which is really somebody who looks at a product from the ground up and not looking to just, you know, cascade trends, but looking to create products that are really going to change people's lives and the way that we consume products going forward. So um, I've been in a lot of meetings with clients and, you know, at my agency, we don't touch product development at all, right? That's not our expertise, but we are very early on in the process, right? So we are in those meetings when some clients are like, oh, here's six things that we got bought. Like we're, we're making it feel like this one, smell like that one, have the properties of that, right? It's just like, um, um, like everyone's borrowing from each other. Um, I... I think that, um, I guess I'm curious, Is it, does the classic work happen anymore or is everyone just borrowing and iterating? Mm, 
It's such a good question. I, you know, I have to say it's both, you know, it depends, you know, what kind of brand I am working with these days. I see like on the pharmaceutical end and more on the high science technology end, we are still seeing classic product development, no doubt. Like we're looking at new technologies. We're figuring out ways to really, we're, we're actually looking at, you know, COVID and what's happened with COVID and how we tested and the whole RNA thing. And like, how does that intersect with products? And, you know, how does that going to change certain ways that we deliver certain things into the skin even, right? That's like classic product development. It's still happening. It's just at a very slower pace because we're in this D to C age where, you know, we have to compete to uh, be seen and be the first to market a lot of times. We are benchmarking, right? That whole process you just, you just, you know, laid out that's benchmarking and no one likes to really admit that they do it, but a, a, a chemist, a lot of times they're going to ask for a reference. And so sometimes you do have to like show, okay, well, it's this type of cream, but for the body, but I want to, you know, I want to make it for the, you know, for the scalp or something else. Right. And so Benchmarking does definitely happen, but Blue Sky product development, custom product development from the ground up totally still exists in more high-tech arenas. And um, have you had mentors or guides through your career who really inspire the way you think and approach about product development? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, One of my mentors is Dr. Peter Matravers. Um, He was one of the uh, heads of product development and R&D out of Beta back in their heyday. Um, he has so many patents and just like a whole way and philosophy around natural product development. He taught me a lot about natural ingredients and botanicals um, and how to really utilize that and still creating a lot of efficacy. So I really learned a lot from him. He's still in my my network today, um, enjoying life. Uh, Dr. Bob Bianchini, who's like former copper tone Neutrogena guy. He's also in the fold, really helping me to continue to look at technology in new and interesting ways. And I also was mentored early in my career. I worked for Douglas Little. You might know Douglas Little uh, from Heretic, right? The, The master perfumer. And, you know, I had an early opportunity. I was working with him at his old brand, DL and Co doing fine fragrance development. And he really exposed me to the creative process, the creative part of product development, the inspiration, you know, going to India and being inspired by saffron and coming back and and doing a whole saffron accord at the fragrance house and, you know, looking at silks and different tapestries and things like that and letting that inform and inspire your package. So he was truly a creative. He still is truly one of the most creative people out there um, who I got to learn from as well. And um, what about you mentoring? Have you been mentoring product developers? Absolutely. I mean, I take so much pride in the women and, and some men as well who I have had the opportunity to either mentor or, you know, they've been on my teams. You know, there's a young lady named by her name is Sierra Brown. And, you know, she's now at Sephora who I, I worked with and got to mentor, you know, I've mentored people who are now working at Le Mer in product development <laughs> um, all over the map that I'm just so proud of. And, you know, they always come back and tell me, like, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have known how to do real product development, not just taking things off the shelf and just benchmarking, but, you know, really taking apart 
what it is that we're after. Like, what problems are we looking to solve and how can we do that in a way that's truly authentic, that's truly um, innovative, that it's also going to be mindful, right, and conscious of the consumer. And that's that's what I'm here for. And I, and I hope to mentor more and more people in the, in the future. So with regards to benchmarking, I guess I'm curious about... Um, how that serves the end user, the customer, like, you know, it, um, in the work that I do, and it sounds like the work you do in the classically trained product development, you're really thinking about um, satisfying a need or filling a need for the customer, right? Making her life easier, better, more harmonious, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, can we service the customer and serve her well if we're a brand that's just benchmarking? I, I do believe there is a possibility for that if you do innovate in your technology. If you're benchmarking just purely textures and form, I think that's okay if you're really doing something uh, disruptive from a benefit standpoint and from an ingredient standpoint. Uh, so for perfect example, right, there are products that have been around forever um, that, you know, in textured hair, you know, we've always used to really clean our scalps because, you know, people with textured hair, we don't typically use dry shampoo. So if there is a product that has been tried and true that works, but it's still not readily accessible and it's still not being targeted and it's still not being like pretty much marketed to, to you as a consumer, I think that's an opportunity to create something that is accessible, that does meet the benefit need states, that is good for post-workout or, you know, things like that. Um, that is very clear about what it is and what it can do, especially as, you know, we start to move through new generations. So in that aspect, I, I don't think it's, it's, not, it's, it's not serving well. I think that it's, it's really bringing things, making them more accessible. Um, so I think it's all about your intention, what you're trying to do. I, I'm all about the ingredient technologies and making sure that what you're doing in a product does solve problems. And so if you're using a very... Um, well-known or familiar form, whether it be a serum or mist or essence or anything like that, I think that's still okay as long as that we are really looking at the demographic, we're looking at the consumer, we're really asking ourselves, you know, what are we doing in this product to really help this consumer and, you know, make it so that it works so that way this consumer uses it and is loyal to it uh, again and again as well. It's not just a one-time purchase. So, Robin, I want to talk about um, shifting from, I guess, this the security or um, culture of being full-time in, in corporations to then starting your own business. <laughs> um, why? You know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. Why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I did it for freedom. I wanted to liberate myself. I, I was never really cut out for sitting in meetings all day. Um, about meetings and all of that. And I, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur at heart. For me, it was about freedom. You know, I have two, two kids, I have two sons. And when I decided to drop out of, you know, corporate beauty, uh, I had just had, I was just burned out, honestly. And, you know, I also knew that I knew a lot. I, I felt like, and this isn't anything, you know, cocky, but I got to a certain point in my career where I felt like I knew more than the people next to me and the people around me and, you know, certain people we had to go to for approvals. And I was like, you know, I was doing this five years ago. I was doing clean beauty back when I was working at Spa Ritual. Like I was doing certified organic. I was doing, 
you know, I was cleaning up parabens. I was doing all this stuff so long ago. And I, and I felt like, you know, I had a unique skill set that, you know, if I just had a few clients, you know, I would be all right. And I just had confidence in myself. It's that old school, like believe in yourself, you know, talk that really can take you far. And for me, it was really just about freedom. I just didn't want to be tied down with, you know, playing that corporate game um, any longer. And I felt like I had so much to give. And, you know, there were so many brands that I felt like I could help them uh, navigate through the product development landscape. And that's just what I did. And it wasn't really a business decision. It was more about freedom and lifestyle and designing the life that I wanted to live. I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning and have breakfast with my kids and and see them at night. I wasn't seeing my family before. you know, I just wanted to be present as a mom and as a wife and just, you know, have some sort of, have some sort of balance, um, which is an interesting topic in itself. But that was my intention and why I chose to do the entrepreneurial thing. Well, um, it's very similar to my origin story as an entrepreneur because I wasn't a mom yet, but I wanted to be one. I was looking around myself at the company I was working at. I'm like, there's no way I could be the mom I want to be. And work here. Like, I just didn't think it was a possibility. And um, at that time, I guess, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't think that there was going to be another company to go to, right? My only option was, well, I'll just figure this out and do something on my own. Um, so I um, really believe in in your purpose of freedom. Um, I think that there's something really beautiful in being in control of your destiny, right? And um driving, you know, being at the wheel, driving it to the left one day, to the right the other day, driving it straight, some driving it backwards, wherever it goes, but knowing that you're um, leading that. Um, you know, once you do this, though, you're basically unemployable. Like, it's really hard to imagine ever going back to having a boss. So true. And I have so many clients. I love my clients. I'm so grateful for my clients. But I have clients that after certain engagements, they're like, can you join us full time? And it's always a no. It's always a no. And I always feel so bad. But I could never go back. It's just like, no, I just could never. So let's talk about scaling, you know, as a small business. Um, you know, this is something that Base Beauty is like, we we grow and then like something happens and it's like a, a little step back or half a step back. We, we know we have a huge year, tons of hiring. And then it's like, a, oh, okay, another step back. Like the, the scaling and b- maintaining that level of scale has been really challenging. It's I haven't been like fixated on it, but it's like, oh my God, here we go again. Like It's like, here we go again. Um, so what has that been like for you in terms of like, you know, figuring out what size of business you want to be, like how much work you want to be doing. You really helped me um, kind of look at that when we had our first conversation, which, you know, was incredible. And I'm so grateful for it. You gave me so much insight. But, you know, wow, I, I started off, I would say it's more of a lifestyle consultant, right? Where I had a few clients could, you know, kind of come and go as I please. You know, I could travel still, um, you know, that was three years ago. Now I'm in a place where I have a small team. I had, I did scale up pretty early, brought, brought in two hires. And I think what I learned along the way is it's the quality of talent, right? And having the right talent, it's not really about having, you know, the biggest team for me. It's about having people who are experts in product development or project management or sourcing or packaging uh, or regulatory and, and that side of it. And so really making sure for me that I am, I'm growing my team is my number one priority right now. 
Uh, we are hiring, we're bringing on new people, but as far as the scale goes, I see us going, you know, maybe about three teams within my organization where we're helping brands across uh, beauty, skincare, and also wellness. So those are my plans. And, you know, I, I see us getting large, but it is, it is very difficult because it is all dependent on the type of quality of talent that we can, that we can, that we can attract pretty much. And what's, um, what does it take to succeed at your company? Yes, I would say definitely dedication, you know, a knack for research, uh, definitely um, the ability to present ideas and concepts, you know, the, the ability to forecast and understand what's going on, the ability to understand technology and how it sort of uh, relates on the, on the skin and, and also understanding, you know, consumer. It's, it's very much, a, um, I would say, a technical brain. It creates, it, it, it really calls for somebody who's technical and also very um, marketing savvy at the same time. So it's both sides, creative and, you know, technical. And so those are the people who succeed with us and the people who are super organized. You have to be so organized to be a product developer. We have to know where every single piece of the pie is at the same time. We have to know where the, where the um, package is, where the formula is, where the label is, you know, where the liner is, where the unit box is and everything in between and what, what changes are being made on the brand side, what messaging changes marketing wants to make and how this then impacts claims and legal. It's so much that we have to do. Um, and we take it all and we do it behind the scenes and we make it look a little too easy sometimes, but that's a part of the job too. You know, Robin, you segued perfectly for me because that's what I wanted to talk about. Because, you know, I commiserated that, um, you know, I, I think we, we have this, a shared experience where our teams are so good at what they do and love it so much, but are like, you know, healthy, reasonable pers- people um, that we make the work seem like it's just so easy to do. Therefore, then is it not like, is it great work then if it's easy to do? Is it, um, you know, what's exceptional about it if it's easy to do? Like the work is exceptional, but like we're so at ease with it because we've been doing it for such a long time and we we train people to be awesome and we train people that like they don't need to be hysterical. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be a, cri- you know, a problem doesn't have to be a crisis. So, um, and sometimes I think like the client either doesn't understand the work enough to know what went into it. So things like next time there's a thing like this, it can be done in a minute, right? Like this is actually a challenge. You know, I think a little bit of the drama <laughs> sometimes is good because it um, reassures people that we're working hard. So tell me like your thoughts on this, because this was such an interesting thing that we talked about when we were together on our intake call. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a tricky subject because I think with so much exposure to so much product over the course of my career, things do come to me quick, you know. And um, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good value or you know it's 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 not worth you know whatever we are charging for you know our rate. I think that you know taking the time, I think, to do the due diligence is what I like to do. It's like a lot of times things do come really easy to me and I do happen to know where to go and I, I kind of know the path forward. Um, it's just driving different cars with different toolboxes and, you know, different wrenches in the road <laughs> along the way. But I kind of know the path. And so it does make things uh, come to me a little easier. But I feel like I've paid my dues. I've done so much work. I mean, I've 
I've done so much work, uh, you know, in my career to kind of get to this point. But it is it is a tricky thing because a lot of times for product development, we see people who are like, I get calls from people all the time. They're like, you know, I think I'm going to consult. And they may have like five years of experience. And I'm like, you know, do what you want to do. You know, I always tell people, hey, you know, follow your desires. However, I think there is there. I know I have presented product development to be, you know, this very fun, um, graceful thing. And it is a lot of work. It is a, you know, it's constant work and struggle. And I think that, you know, being able to problem solve is one of the biggest um, attributes that I actually do have. And I think, you know, that just comes with time and having problems to solve. So it is a tricky thing, Jody. I think it's just like hard to explain really, but I do think we tend to make things look too easy and that could sometimes backfire. And, but what I've noticed is that um, for those clients who, you know, we've done an engagement, they think they can sort of take it over after we've, you know, handed over a deliverable. I have, I happen to have a lot of times people come back, you know, people coming back a year later after trying it on their own. And they're like, Hey, you know what, we need you again. And, and, and that's common for me because it is very, it's, it's much harder than it looks product development. What I wrote down from my notes is um, how to present the worth of the work when we're at ease with the work, right? So I think that's the equation to to solve for, to make sure that for the client who really like, you know, if they're hiring you, they they don't know how to do it themselves, right? Like they knew, if they could do it themselves, they wouldn't need you. The same with us. So just be, I guess, reassuring um, the client of the worth, you know, and um, you talked about things coming easy to you. We've been trying to um, articulate this at Base Beauty too. Like um, the 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 right answer is such a reflex for us because we're so indoctrinated, right? Like we have so much institutional knowledge about the industry. We have so much knowledge about the customer, every type of customer. So these things are really truly reflexes. My guess is it's a reflex for you as well. Yes, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I love that. That's how I feel exactly. So when it's a reflex, what we need to do is almost for the client then slow it down. Like we 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 get we have the reflex, and then I think this is what you're talking about in terms of due diligence. Due diligence. Then we're still gonna have to go. We still have to go back in time and like back in the process and create all the steps, identify all the steps. You know, pull why why this strategy is giving us this answer. Even though we're still getting to the same place, we have to outline it. Otherwise, um, people who don't have that reflex really don't understand, right? So, and they can't sell it internally. So um, that's what we've been working on, you know, trying to unravel this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also a good teaching moment for the client too. And then it helps to then reinforce the value. So I love that approach. And I mean, I might have to, I might have to steal that from you. Yeah, take it. And the other thing we're working on also, I'm not sure exactly where it's going to land, but part of the su- the success of our reflex, the way the reason why reflexively we feel like yeah we get to that right answer really quickly, is because we are a a, a very empathetic group. Like I think that's a trait that's shared by everybody on the team that we actually like feel the customer right the customer who has. Um, um, you know, rough feet. <laughs> like we we know what what's in her head. We know what she's shopping for. We know how it impacts her day, night, you know, when she's taking off her socks, you know, when she's trying other products. So this like empathy, I think, really leads our reflex, which is why 
I think part of the magic that happens, and my guess is it's probably pretty similar in your team because you're really feeling that customer's experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we call it just being intuitive with our clients and, you know, that's really saved a lot. That's really, really helped us to not have really, really hard discussions. You know, I could feel when the client is not in love with this formula or isn't like super happy with this direction or, you know, maybe wants to pivot and I'll say it for them. And, you know, and I think that just makes them feel so safe with us because we, we understand, you know, like, it's, it's such an intuitive part of it, too, that really plays into the work that we do, which has helped us tremendously. So my last question for you is really just something I've been thinking about from my own family perspective. Um, what do your sons think is cool about your job? Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's so wild to see them so excited about it. I mean, my oldest, he's almost 14, and he remembers back when I was pouring candles and, you know, making home fragrance products and He's like a candle junkie and a scent junkie. Um, my oldest really loves to snoop over my shoulder and see what I'm up to. And I think he's just really proud when he walks down those aisles with me. And we and he's like, didn't you work on this? Because I have a bin, you know, in my, in my closet and, you know, at the office with all the things we're working on. And he's starting to become familiar with some of these brands. And I think that just is really cool for him. For my youngest, he's five. He loves to, sorry, he loves to test products. So, you know, I'm constantly, as you know, I, I do a lot of product development for textured hair. And he's always like, can you moisturize my hair? Do you have something to test? And so that's the fun part for him. And sometimes I'll give him formulas that have been rejected and he'll add water to them and start whipping them up. And he loves to do a little cosmetic chemistry in the bathroom. And that's the fun part for him. <laughs> oh, Robin, that is so cool. I love that they get to share in the fun excitement of your of your business. I mean, isn't that like, that's as much a gift as like clients paying the bills? Yeah, it is. It really is. And you never know. I mean, it, they might grow up one day to want to stay in the business. We'll see what happens. It, it's going to get interesting in the future for, for men too. Well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with my fans today. We're so excited to be able to... Um, shine a light on product development too. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Robin. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.